let's pray and then we'll dive into this lyric series. God, thank you for, uh, for bringing us here today. I know it's not an accident. Uh, every person sitting in a chair today is here because you have something to say to us. And uh, God, we, we need to hear from you. We just need a touch from you. And so, Lord, I know we say this all the time, but nobody needs to hear from Steve Ferris today. They need to hear from you. And so would you take your word and make it leap off the pages, leap off the screen and into our hearts and change us as we study today. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, so if you have your uh, smartphone or uh, your Bible with you or whatever, we're going to be in Psalm chapter 1 today. Uh, a few weeks ago, we started this series called Lyrics, and we're, we're taking several weeks and walking through the book of Psalms in the Bible. And the reason we're calling this Lyrics is because many of the Psalms, most of them, were written as songs or poems, and so they are lyrics in the book of Psalms, and that's why we're calling it this series. And, and uh, you know, the, the point we've been making all through this series is that music moves us. Uh, if you're a human being and you can hear it, it just inspires us. It does something to our hearts. It, it makes us want to dance. It makes us want to run faster or try harder. It makes us want to get ready to fight sometimes. It makes us happy. It makes us sad. It brings back certain memories from our life. When you hear a song sometimes, you're like, Man, that takes me back to this point in my life. And so we thought it would be fun during this series each week to, to give you kind of a behind the scenes of some of our staff and bring somebody on our team up each week and let them tell you a little bit about their all-time playlist, some songs that have meant something to them or bring back memories to them. And so today I am so excited, much more excited than I was last week when Chris Patton was up here. I'm so excited to have our life group coordinators, Sam and Liz Wright. Will you guys come on up here? And Abigail, uh, all of them, come on up here. Um, oh, Abigail gets to sit with Michelle? Oh, yeah, you hate that, don't you? Um, so, uh, so they're going to come up here and just share a couple of songs or a few songs from their life, and I'm just going to stand over here and get out of the way. So uh, Liz and Sam Wright, our life group coordinators, take it away. Thank you. Uh, we didn't have any songs for Abby yet, so we couldn't bring her up here. That's awesome. So the first song that I have, um, growing up, I listened to all country. That was the only thing my parents ever played. So this first song serves two purposes. One, it's because I always listen to country, and so I had to pick one that had to be number Absolutely. one. And the second one, just the lyrics that are involved. Uh, growing up, small town in Ohio, we didn't have a lot of the latest things, the newest game systems. We didn't do a lot of that, and so that's kind of uh, why I picked this song. Go ahead. Nice. Have yeah. a little love on a little honeymoon. Jesus you got a little dish no. and you got a little spoon. A little bitty house and a little bitty yard. A little bitty dog and a little bitty car. But it's all right to be a little bitty in a little hometown or a big old Okay, so I love that song. It always brings me back to car trips with the family because obviously my parents wouldn't spring for plane tickets. Um, so we would do that. This next song I chose, one, because Liz wouldn't let me do a playlist of country songs. So this one's not country. Uh, this is one what I would listen to all over in high school uh, before a football game, really just out with friends. It was really just getting me hyped up, so... 
It starts with one I don't know why It doesn't even matter how hard you try Keep that in mind I'm designed this rhyme to explain in due time now, don't fault me just because you see me up here bobbing my head to it. Like, that's, that's the point of these songs, is to get into it. Um, and so, that was Linkin Park, for those who don't know, in the end. And then, here's Liz's song. Yeah, so my first one, not going to be probably recognizable to any of you. Um, I grew up with my mom, and our thing was kind of watching musicals. So, it's from a musical, and not one that's so well known. Uh, when I was in college, my mom came out to visit me, and I, I was out in a top tech school out in Boston. And I got student discounts, so I was like going to every play I could go to, every musical I could go to. And I went to this one with my mom when she was in town, and it was kind of after the first, my first time going back home. And kind of, I did not do so well my first semester in college. It was really, really tough. And I kind of was feeling like, man, maybe I should drop out. Maybe I should go back home. I'm really far away. I grew up here in Colorado, so I was way on the East Coast and, and kind of feeling out of, out of place. And I went to this play, and basically it was written about me, um, just... <laughs> if I was from Puerto Rico, so uh, I'm going to get it started. Uh, but it's by the guy, same guy who wrote uh, Hamilton. It was his like first play. So. Smile for the neighbors, everything's fine, everything's cool. The standard reply, lots of tests, lots of papers. Smile, wave goodbye, and pray to the sky. Oh, God, what will my parents say? Yeah, so that's my flair for dramatic, you know, so... <laughs> Um, this next one kind of came after I got a little bit better inside of college, starting to hit my pace there. And uh, we, I was there my second year uh, during an in, like a, doing a job. And during that summer, the song became like the song of the summer. And uh, uh, Coldplay put out a new album. And me and my friends listened to it all the time. Like it was in the background of everything. And we even got tickets to go and see them uh, in person. And we like had to take a train for two hours and walk for like five miles and then that's how we got to the concert venue. Um, and so for me, it's just like a, a pleasant memory of the summer. So go ahead with the, this one. Uh, and this last one, we decided to do a couple song. Because uh, a couple years nice. after that one, uh, I don't know if you guys know, we met in eighth grade math class. Uh, but we did not start dating until college, and so this was the song of the summer, that summer, when we met and started dating, and of course it's country, so. And that's very appropriate since neither of you are from Mississippi or Louisiana. So. Pretty much. Makes total sense. Yeah. Give it up, Liz and Sam Wright. And, and I love how uh, humble Liz was when she said, I went to a tech school in Boston. What she meant to say was MIT. So we have smart people here at the Bridge Fellowship. All right. Sorry, sorry. There you go. Um, if you're visiting the Bridge Fellowship uh, today and you're like, did we really play Lincoln Park in church today? Yes, we did. Uh, the Bridge is not for everybody. Um, if you are worried about that, just pray for us and uh, we'll see you in heaven. Uh, by the way, I don't know if you know that, but you're going to get to heaven and see people and you're like, you're going to be like, you got in? And, and they're going to be thinking, you got in? So it's even. So anyway, Psalm chapter 1. 
Uh, we're going to read the whole thing here in just a second, but I want to give you a little historical background of this, of this uh, chapter today. Um, David wrote most of the Psalms. That's why when most people think of Psalms, they think of King David, but he really only wrote about half of them, and then uh, in, including most of the first 40 Psalms, but the other half are, are attributed to different writers, and then some aren't attributed to anyone, including Psalm 1. There's not a specific author attributed to this, but uh, if you read Psalm uh, 1 carefully, and even as we read it today, I think you'll see there's a lot of similarities in the way it's written, like the verses uh, are written a lot like the Proverbs. And so when you read Psalm 1, it kind of feels like you're reading uh, Proverbs. It kind of goes like this. Blessed is the man who does this. Cursed is the man who does this. Uh, to be honest, uh, excuse me, it's good to be honest, it's bad to be deceitful, it's good to be hardworking, it's bad to be lazy. You know, those are proverbs that we all have heard over the years, and, and you'll see that Psalm 1 uh, sounds a little bit like that, and so many biblical scholars, and we don't really know, but many believe that maybe Solomon, King Solomon, the son of David, wrote Psalm 1 as an introduction to the rest of the Psalms, because it was not uncommon for a son to gather the writings of his father and put them together as a collection. And it also was not uncommon for them to write an introduction of, these are my father's writings. And, and even though he, and, and, and uh, usually they wouldn't attribute the, the introduction to themselves because people just didn't do that back then. And so uh, it could be, we don't know for sure, but it could be that, that Solomon actually wrote Psalm number one. I thought you might enjoy that little uh, background knowledge. If you didn't, too bad, too late. So let's read Psalm chapter 1, starting in verse 1. The Bible says this. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers. Instead, they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They, the people who meditate on it and delight in the law, they are tr like trees planted along the river bank, bearing fruit in each season. Their leaves never, never wither, and they prosper in all they do. Not so for the wicked, verse 4. They are like worthless chafe scattered by the wind. They will be condemned at the time of judgment. Sinners will have no place among the godly. For the Lord watches over the path of the godly, but the path of the wicked leads to destruction. Now, what I want to do today is break down some parts of this, and we don't have time to break down all six verses, so I've picked three uh, sections that I want to kind of dig deeper on, and we want to start again with Psalm 1-1, the very first verse, and so I want to, I want to uh, let you see it again in, in the New Living, and, and here it is, Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers. And then, and then I want to read it again in a different translation. This is the New International Version. So look at this on the screen. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the company of mockers. And that first word, blessed, uh, in the original Hebrew uh, language means happy and peaceful. So if you're reading the Old Testament, most of the time, there are a couple of variations, but if you're reading the Old Testament and you see the word blessed or blessed, 
the author is, is me, the meaning there is to be happy and peaceful. So it could read, happy and peaceful is the one who does not walk in step with wicked, stand in the way of sinners, sit in the seat of mockers. And then finally, I love how the New Century Version says this same verse. Look at this. It says, happy are those who don't listen to wicked people, who don't go where sinners go and don't do what evil people do. It doesn't get any simpler than that. You want to be happy? Don't listen to wicked people. Don't go where sinners go. And, and don't do what evil people do. And, and then finally, I want to give you Steve's paraphrase, like just kind of my own words. This is how this uh, verse pans out for me. Look at this on the screen. If, 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 because maybe you don't, but if you do want a truly blessed peace and joy life, uh, don't follow the world's way of doing things. It's so simple when, when you break it down like that. There is a better way, and it's God's way, right? And, 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 and that's the battle for all humans on this earth is we constantly, and you hear us talk about this here at the bridge all the time, we constantly battle my way or God's way. And, and, and scripture is being very clear here today. If, if you want to be happy and peaceful, choose God's way. You can choose your way, and, and, and your way might even lead to some temporary happiness, but if you want long-lasting, forever, eternal hope and joy, you got to choose God's way, okay? And now, let, let me say this before we move on to the next one. What the author, possibly Solomon, is not doing here is throwing rocks at sinners. Now, we read different versions here, and, and if we're not careful, it sounds like this verse is saying God loves good people more than he loves bad people. And, and we're going to look at another passage here in a minute that will prove that that is absolutely wrong. I know some people teach that. I know some churches teach that, that the better you are, the more God likes you, and the worse you are, the less God likes you. That's not true. There's nothing you can do to make God love you more, and there's actually nothing you can do to make God love you less. The cross took care of all of that, and, and we'll look at, again in another psalm uh, here in a minute and, and prove that. So, so that's not what he's saying here. What he is saying is, you want peace and joy? Here's how to get it. You want a blessed life? Here's how to get it. Follow God's way. If you follow the world's way or your way of doing things, that's fine. It's your prerogative, but don't expect peace and joy to follow. And when you find yourself in a situation where your, your life is void of those things, you can't blame God because you chose. You chose your way. All right, let's keep going. Verse two. I love this one. You're going to love this one. So uh, verse one sets it up like, hey, uh, if, if you want to be happy, you got to follow God's way, okay? But if you don't, don't expect peace and joy and happiness, right? So look at verse uh, two says. It says, but they... Remember, people that don't follow wicked, evil, all that kind of stuff. But instead, they delight, meaning that word means love. They delight in the law of the Lord, meaning they, they have learned to love God's word. And look, look at this next word, because this is important. Meditating on it day and night. And obviously, the key word in this verse is meditate. And, and you may be thinking, what does that even mean? And, 
And uh, no, here's what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that to be a good Christian, you have to walk around quoting scripture all day. And if someone greets you on the street and gives you a high five, you don't have to return that with a scripture quote. You don't have to sit on the plane or in your cubicle or somewhere else and constantly chant scripture or respond or talk to people in scripture. In fact, your pastor is saying, please don't do that because it's weird. Okay? And, and, and if you do that, don't tell people you go to the Bridge Fellowship because we'll, they'll think we're all, all weird. Okay? And so that's not what it means when it says meditate. To, to kind of explain the, the meaning of that word uh, that the author is using here, I think it would be better if I, if I show you. So we're going to do a little exercise today, and it's a class participation exercise. So you can't be shy. When I say repeat... Like, when I say finish these things, it means out loud, okay? And I don't want two people, if like two people do this, we're going to quit and go home, okay? So you got to follow along, class participation. So here's how it goes. Sometimes there are songs or sayings in your life that you have heard so many times that you just know them on the drop of a hat. And we're going to practice that. So I'm going to say the lyrics to some songs and then you're going to finish what comes next, okay? For instance, let's just practice. This one doesn't count for real. It's just for practice to see if you guys are awake today, okay? For example, you finish this. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Uh, see, you guys are good. You guys are so good, all right? Very good. All right, you're going to do great at this. Here we go. We're going to start easy, okay? Oh, say, can you see... Amazing. Speaking of amazing, finish this. Amazing grace. See, you're even spiritual. You should be so proud that you know that one, right? Jingle bells, Batman smells. You guys were so passionate about that one compared to amazing grace. How about this one? I can't get no. Yeah. If you liked it, you should have, yeah, yeah, like the younger crowd knew that when you're like, you should have, the older people are like, what? I should have like danced while I did it and then maybe you would have known, oh, that, okay. I like big butts, yeah, see that one's just to keep you humble because when you see where I'm going, you're going to be really sad that you really know I like big butts, but you can't quote as much scripture, right? And, uh, but it's reality, reality. Here we go. A few more. Hey, Mickey, you're so fine. Thank you for that. It's good. No extra credit. All right. So uh, hit me, baby. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. All right. Last one. Frankly, my... Just kidding, don't, don't, don't finish that one, we're in church. Anyway, we should probably stop and pray again after that, but um, the point is this, and I hope you understand why we did that. The reason we know the finishing lyrics of all that song, all those songs, is because we've heard them over 
and over. We've listened to them, seen them, read them over and over again. Some for years, literally some for decades of our life. We've just done it over and over again. That's what the word meditate actually means. That word that the author is using in Psalm chapter 1 actually comes from word, I'm not trying to be gross, that is the same word similar to what we use for regurgitate. Like, like what cows do. And I don't know if you know this, but cows have multiple stomachs. And the way they digest their food is they swallow it into one stomach. They regurgitate it up like vomit back into their mouths. They send it back to the next stomach and so forth until the food is processed enough to pass through their system. And, and that's what the author is saying. Remember, we're talking about being happy and peaceful. And so what he's saying is the people that have peace and joy in their lives are the ones that meditate. They read it over and over again. They, they, they keep consuming it and they bring it back up and they read it again. And, and listen, I'm not throwing rocks today either, just like the author here is, but I think we could probably be safe to say in here together today as fellow strugglers, most of us could point lack of meditation on God's word for a huge reason why we don't have as much peace and joy in our lives as we want. We just don't meditate enough. And again, it's not like walking around, chanting, humming some weird thing. It's just reading it over and over again. It's if you really want to, really want to learn something and learn to love it, Put it on your dashboard, post it on your mirror, like pick a scripture each week or each month and meditate, like put it in front of you so that you consume it over and over and over again. That's what he means by meditate. So let's sum up verse two in this way, a couple of things on the screen here. Basically what we're trying to say this morning is make God's word such an essential part of your daily routine that its truth becomes second nature in your life and it's always at hand when you need it. Because, listen to me, if you don't have that ammunition in your heart when difficult times come, you're going to reach for other things to, to take its place. But even the psalmist said, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And so if you want to prevent that, if you want to stand strong, which we're going to talk about in just a second, in difficult moments, then hide his word in your heart. To do that, you have to meditate again and again. Look at this, just kind of another paraphrase here. The best way to a joyful and peaceful life is through learning and loving God's word. It's just truth, people. It just makes sense, okay? All right, so we're going to keep reading. Uh, verses 3 and 4, this is the last one we'll break down uh, today, but I love this, and I, I hope you will too. Verse 3 says this. They, remember who they is, people that delight in the law of the Lord and meditate on it day and night. They is people who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or if you want to put it in Steve's paraphrase, they are people who don't follow the world's or their own way. They're people who follow God's way. So that's who they are, okay? So here's the description. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. Not so for the wicked. They are like worth, worthless chafe scattered by the wind. Now let's focus in on that first description the author uses, like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing 
bearing fruit, leaves never, never wither, and they prosper in all, of the, all that they do, right? And by the way, prosper doesn't always mean success. So this is not prosperity gospel as we know it today. He's not saying, hey, love Jesus and everything you touch will turn to gold. Hey, love Jesus and nothing bad will ever happen to you. What he's saying is, trust Jesus, follow his way, love his word, meditate on it day and night. And no matter what happens to you, it is all good because of your relationship with the Lord. That's what he's saying there, right? So, so, uh, uh. Here, here's the description of a tree, and, and he's being very intentional about this. He is saying that these trees are rooted, right? And you've even probably gone hiking and jumped over a stream or been by a small river and seen the massive root system that comes from these trees, especially when they're planted by water. If you've ever uh, been flying or taken a helicopter tour and you've, you've looked uh, across, along a river bank Everything else out from the river could be dry and brown, but many times what's right along the riverbank is green and healthy and strong. And he's making that point here. If you love God's word, if you follow his way, if you meditate on his word day and night, meaning make it a part of your everyday routine, he's saying you will be like these trees. So let's talk about trees for a minute just to kind of give you some examples. I did a little research this week, and uh, you've probably heard of a Douglas fir tree. Uh, Most of them are found out west here, and uh, there are some Douglas firs in Mount Rainier National Park in the state of Washington that are almost 700 years old. 700 years. Here's what that means. When Columbus discovered America, those trees were already 234 years old. When the Declaration of Independence was signed, they were already 512 years old. These these trees have seen seen wildfires and earthquakes and storms with winds over 100 miles an hour, yet there they stand. 700 years later. Why? Because they were firmly planted. Their root system is deep. Uh, Two other trees that are actually mentioned in scripture are the palm tree that you see along the coast or in tropical areas and the cedar of Lebanon. Both of these trees can grow over 130 feet tall. Let that sink in because this gem, I'm going to guess, is about 50 feet tall. Twice the size, I mean, massive, huge, tall trees, right? And they're actually some of the oldest trees in the world. Cedar of Lebanon, some of those trees that, that uh, mainly grow in the, in the region around the Mediterranean Sea, some of them are 12 and 1300 years old, still standing. Storms, fires, earthquake like like they're still standing because they were firmly planted and and actually the book of psalms in psalm 92 the author refers to this look at this on the screen psalm 92 12 says the righteous people the same people we've been talking about this morning they flourish like the palm tree and grow like a cedar in lebanon he's telling you you want to be strong meditate you want to be strong love God's word. You want to be strong? You want to be planted firmly? Then follow God's way, right? Uh, In 1987, I turned 17 years old, 
and uh, I got my driver's license a little bit before that, and I got invited. I was a brand new baby Christian, and I got invited to a, an event at my church, and we were poor, and I know a lot of people say that, but trust me, we were poor, and we didn't, you know, getting a new car in our family was a really big, big deal, and my mom had gotten a new car, and I wanted to drive it to church. The only catch is it was a stick shift, not an automatic, and so I lied to my mom and told her that my dad had taught me how to drive a stick, and I faked it enough to show her in the street in front of our house that I could drive, and for some inappropriate reason, she allowed me to take her brand new car to church. What she didn't know is the event, and I'm so glad that churches don't do these events anymore because people would get shot or beaten up, but this event was called Bring Them Back Alive. And what you would do is literally go door to door to your friend's house, knock on the door, and say, put down whatever you're doing, you're coming with us. Basically, it's called church kidnapping is what this event is called. And, and that's what we did that night. And so I'm driving in my mind. And by the way, the, the car was a tiny little car, kind of like a Honda Civic or that size of a car, tiny little car. And so I was driving, and we picked up nine teenagers that night, plus me, in a tiny little car. So I think there were three or four sitting in the back seat across and two in laps in the back seat, or maybe three in the laps, and then there was a girl in the front seat with me, and I was driving. And as we're headed back to the church, it was, it was in the summertime, and one of those quick, uh, warm, humid, down in the south showers comes, and then it ends real quick, but it leaves the roads slick with this kind of little glaze uh, on the road from the rain. And that's what it was like, and we were going up this hill, and there was a car in front of me, uh, with this mama and papa, who I'm sure were really nice, but they were going really slow, and I was a teenager and cocky and arrogant and was trying to prove how cool I was to these kids, so I decided to pass the car on the hill. The girl riding in the seat next to me panicked as we reached the crest of the hill, and, and for, yet again, a very inappropriate reason, I have no idea what she was thinking, she grabbed the wheel of the car and jerked it over so we would get out of that lane. And when she jerked it, I lost control of the car. We went off the road into some yards and we're like mowing down flower beds and mailboxes. And then I panicked and overcorrected the other way, went across the slick street at, at about 45 miles an hour into another yard and head on we hit a five foot wide oak tree. And as you can imagine, lots of carnage, lots of blood, multiple ambulances at the scene. Uh, if you ever are talking to me, and don't do this today because it'll be awkward, but if you look at me really close, the right side of my nose looks like I have a little pimple on it all the time, but it's actually where they had to pull and, and take skin because my face literally shattered the steering wheel of the car and they had to just kind of put my nose and my cheekbone back together and and listen to me I, I'm, I'm not don't pass cars on a hill okay number one don't put nine people in a civic or any of that kind of stuff okay but here's the point the tree didn't budge it devastated this 2,000 plus pound car and it and it wrecked our bodies the tree didn't move. You know why? Firmly planted. You get my point? 
You get his point? They, they, the people that follow his law and follow his way are like trees planted firmly. And, and let's end it this way. Look at this on the screen. What, what the psalmist is trying to tell us today is that the only sure formula for a strong and fruitful life is God's word. There is no other option. That's what he's telling us today. Now, as we close, we, we talked about a lot of crazy stuff today, and so I want to land the plane this way. Um, if we're not careful, we read Psalm 1, and we can kind of walk away with this legalistic point of view, like God loves you if you do good things. You're cursed, and God doesn't love you if you do bad things. And, and I want to show you in Psalm that that's not what he's saying today because I don't want you to go away. If you're anything like me, you hear something like that, like follow his way all the time, love his word. I, I, I don't love the Bible like I should. I do love it, but I don't love it like I should. And I certainly don't meditate on it like I should. And that probably fits all of us in this category, but I'm telling you, the pastor with the microphone today is saying, I don't do that like I should. And, and if you're like me and you read something like that, you leave here beating yourself up for the rest of the day going, man, I'm a lousy human being and certainly a lousy Christian. And so I want to go back to the psalm we talked about last week, Psalm 139, which David did write. And I want to show you the fact that God is not keeping score and his love and, and like for you doesn't go up and down the rankings depending on how you perform that day. Let's look at this. Psalm 139, verse 17. This is what the psalm says. He's talking to God. He says, how precious are your thoughts about me, O God. What a strong statement. God, listen to me, don't miss this. Look me in the eyeballs today. God thinks precious thoughts about you. And what's powerful, and he goes on, and he says, oh God, they cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And what he's talking about is the beach. All the beaches in, in all the world can, like, think about how tiny a grain of sand is. Now think about counting all of the grains of sand on all the beaches in the world. That's a lot of sand. Like, you can't count them. That's how many precious thoughts God thinks about you. And before you go there and start going, no, that doesn't mean me. That's for good people. He thinks, David wrote this. You know, adulterer, murderer David wrote this. And he's confessing to God, you think precious thoughts about me. So don't leave here today saying, man, a lot of times I go my way. I stare God's way right in the, the face and go, nope. I don't like that. I like my plane better and I go my way. And there's a lot of times that I go months, maybe you're saying today. Or, or maybe I haven't opened a Bible in over a year. There's no way God thinks precious thoughts about me. It's in the Bible. I'm not saying that. God is. And he's saying it not just to good people today, not just to people who get it right every time today. He's saying it to you. God thinks precious thoughts about you in the midst of of your imperfection. And if that's not enough, I want to show you one more thing before we close today. It's not in Psalm, but it's too good not to look at. Somebody shared this with me on social media this week, and it just stopped me in my tracks as I was studying Psalm 1. And I'm just telling you, as your pastor and as a fellow struggler, I needed this reminder this week. Um, it's found in Exodus chapter 3, 
uh, and it's the scene, just to set it up, it's the scene of Moses and the burning bush. Uh, Moses was born, uh, he was adopted into Pharaoh's royalty, he was raised in the palace of Pharaoh, and then he, uh, then he commits murder, and he goes on the run to hide so he doesn't get caught and probably put to death. And in that season, while he's hiding, God appears to Moses in the form of a, a burning bush. And he has this conversation with Moses where he says, hey, I want you to go back to Pharaoh and tell him to let my people go, who were also Moses' people, because remember, Moses' heritage was Hebrew, not Egyptian. And so he's saying, I want you to go rescue your people. I want you to go back to Pharaoh and say, let my people go. And, and if you remember the story, Moses starts making all kinds of excuses. I, I, I can't. I, I stutter, God. I, I'm not your guy. In parts that we don't have written down, he, he probably reminded God in that moment, you probably are forgetting, God, if I go back there, they're going to arrest me because I murdered somebody. Right? So somebody with speech problems, somebody that had committed capital murder, God says, I want you. And he's not saying, hey, I'm going to do you a favor. He says, Moses, I pick you for this great thing. And you've got to be so careful in, in moments like this when we're reading Old Testament stories to not go, well, that was for them then, not for me now. This story, the Bible story, Moses' story, the, the, the creation to redemption story is your story. It's about you. And God's saying the same thing to you today. I want you, right? And so look what he says to Moses. After Moses says, he makes all these excuses, he says, okay, if I go, God, who should I say is sending me? And it's the great I am sent you, right? And this is what he says in verse 15. God also said to Moses, same story, same scene. Go back and say this to the people of Israel. Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, look, the God of Abraham... The God of Isaac and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. And it's, it's interesting that God, because these are God's words back to Moses, it's interesting in, in, this, in this encounter with Moses that God specifically chooses to say, I'm the God of Jacob. Because all those guys listed, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they took place generations before Moses did. And he knew who they were because they were the leaders of the faith. And, and I don't know if Moses caught it that day, but this person that sent it to me, he did catch it. And this is what he's saying. What you have to understand about this, this moment when he says the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me. At the time that this took place, Jacob's name wasn't Jacob anymore. If you'll remember, Jacob wrestled with God and in that moment, Jacob the cheater and deceiver's name was changed to the God of Israel or to Israel, right? He, he changed his name. Your name is no longer Jacob, it's Israel. So when Moses walks through this moment, Jacob's name was already Israel. But God intentionally says, I am the God of Abraham. I am the God of Isaac. And he didn't say I'm the God of Israel. He said I'm the God of Jacob. And I think he said that on purpose today for you and me in this moment in 2017 to remind us he is not just the God of your good days. 
He's not just the God when you get everything right. He's the God of your struggle. He's the God of your secrets. He's the God of, of your darkest moments. He's the God when you're depressed. He's your, your God when, when you don't think you'll smile anymore. He's God of all of that. And when in that moment, he's telling Moses, I got it all. And that's what he's telling you today. I, I don't even know if you wanted to come here this morning. But if nothing else, if you don't get any of the meditate and happy and peaceful and follow God's way, please don't leave here without getting this. God loves you. Not the person sitting next to you. Not the person that in your mind you think, well, they're good. Of course God loves them. Because of your weakness, God is drawn to you. It's what he died for. It's what he sent Jesus to die on the cross for is your weakness. Your weakness is what attracts God to you because he's a shepherd and a father by nature. I'm the God of Abraham. I'm the God of Isaac. I'm the God of your struggle, says the Lord God who brought you into this place today. Let's pray. As we close today, the band's going to just sing another song over us. And I always like to just encourage us, just take this four or five minutes and let everything we've talked about today download. Don't, don't start thinking about what you're having for lunch today or walk out early to go get your kids. Just pause for a minute and let God sing and speak to you in this song. And what he wants to say in the middle of this song is he wants to say this, if you want a peaceful and joyful life, if you want to be strong even when the storms come and the sun beats down and the earthquakes shake, then learn to love my word. How do you do that? You meditate on it over and over again until it becomes a part of you, until you can finish the lyrics. God, thank you that you love all the parts of us.